Hello, I'm Carrick MacDonald and this is Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. This is the seventh in a series of programmes about Rutherglen in the 1950s, in which David Jackson shares with us some of his recollections of life in the town at that time. David begins this programme by talking about the trams. One must mention tram cars while talking about the 1950s. The thought of tram cars on Rutherglen Main Street really was quaint. The first electric tram car arrived in Rutherglen in 1902. And certainly in my childhood, there were two routes to and from Glasgow to Rutherglen. The number 26 came to Rutherglen via Shawfield and up the Glasgow Road. It terminated on the main street near the central picture house. The number 18 came via Bridgeton Cross and Farham Cross and came up Stonelaw Road and terminated on Dukes Road at Burnside. I can clearly remember being on both with my mother and my brother Ronnie. But my best memory of them is when I was about eight years old, when two older girls of about 14 were allowed to take us younger kids, four or five of us, to the fair or the shows as we called them in Glasgow Green. We waited for the number 26 tram at the bus stop near the old spot pub now called the Sportsman's and still extant on the Glasgow Road. We waited with great excitement. It's like it was yesterday. The last number 26 tram car on Main Street, Rutherglen, was in August 1955. But the number 18 remained running from Burnside through Rutherglen Cross and down through Bridgeton until June 1961. Of course, when the tram cars finished, they were replaced by a new novelty, the trolleybus. So what's the difference between a, a tram car and a trolleybus? A trolleybus, it runs in wheels and right. isn't on a tram car line, a railway line, yeah, tram yeah. car line, you right. know, yeah. uh, uh, and can, can is movable to an extent right. on the road, yep. but it's stun, still running the, the same form mm-hmm. as a, a being charged with electricity right. wires, overhead yeah, wires, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So they used the same uh, poles and overhead wires, basically, mm-hmm. as the tram cars, yeah. you know. Okay. Um, they came in then. They came in after 1961. Mm-hmm. Rutherland had five cinemas in the 1950s, and it's safe to say that I, like everyone else at that time, was in all of them. We didn't call them the cinema or the movies. We called them the pictures. As you go into the pictures... That was the common phrase. They all had a matinee, which meant an afternoon showing, which generally started between one and two o'clock. And that was followed by two evening shows. The pictures were open Monday to Saturday, but never on a Sunday in those days. It was most common to have big queues waiting to get into the evening shows. It cost us kids four old copper pennies to get in, but on lots of occasions, at the Odin and Main Street, only one of us would ever pay. Then once inside, he would open the emergency exit door at the side of the building and the rest of us would all pour in. <laughs> My favourite actors of that period were Alan Ladd, Victor Mature, Dan Jure, hmm. Richard Conte, 
Jack Palance and Gary Cooper. And of course, even at 11 or 12 years of age, I was in love with Janet Lee. <laughs> the Greens at 273 Main Street was the oldest. It opened in December 1910 and was originally known as the Pavilion. My fondest memory of this picture hall was going to the Saturday matinee every week with my little friend because he always took two pieces of jam sandwiches to you and wouldn't eat them until the picture started. That fear made me chuckle as a kid. The Greens closed on the 25th of April 1959. The Grand Central, which was situated in the middle of the main street on the south side, only opened in 1921. Yet as I remember it, it really was very run down and it closed in December 1957. The cinema I least visited was The Rule in Stonelaw Road at Burnside. It opened on the 22nd of May 1932 and was very well furbished. What I do remember is that after it closed in November 1960, it lay derelict for almost seven years before being demolished in March 1967. Mm. In the year 1935, two new super cinemas opened in Rutherglen. The first was known as the Vogue, but that name was short-lived and only four years later it became known as the Odeon. It was situated in the south side of the main street, about 80 yards from Mill Street Corner. And today, 2018, it is the only Rutherland cinema still extant, as it is now a bingo hall. Mm. The other cinema was called The Real and it opened on the 23rd of September 1935 and was situated at the corner of Glasgow Road and King Street. These cinemas were really big and I am sure that I read somewhere that the rear cinema could hold 2,800 people. Almost every cinema in the 1950s had a commissioner and they stood either just outside or just inside the front door depending on how cold the weather was. All of them were dressed up like Russian generals. They wore big thick brown coats with brass buttons and military-styled hats with gold braiding everywhere. As a little kid, under the, I was under the illusion that they were the most important people in Rutherglen. <laughs> the rear closed in June 1971 and was demolished in November that year. The Odeon only lasted three years longer and closed in October 1974, although I have already stated that the building remains extant. Mm -hmm. One must say what a sad loss those cinemas were to Rutherland. At this point, I would like to give mention to television because sometime during the summer of 1955, my much older cousin Billy, who was my dad's sister's boy, was sent to London by train on a special errand. You see, my dad had cousins who had lived in London since the 1930s and they had written to my aunt saying that they could get her a television. Now nobody in our family knew of anyone who had seen a television at that time. Hmm. 
I don't know how much they paid for it. But Billy, who was 19 years old at that time, was sent to London. And of course, word got round the whole family when he and the telly would be arriving back in Rutherland. Well, believe you me, there was a great turnout at my auntie's house in Brownsdale Road, which was a little prefabricated house. My mum and dad, me and my brother and my little sister, lots of cousins and of course my grander. Would you believe that the television screen was only 14 inches mm. in diameter? <laughs> Everybody thought it was fabulous. Mm. I'm Carrick MacDonald and you're listening to Halfway to Butter, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this seventh programme in the series about Rutherglen in the 1950s, David Jackson is sharing with me some of his recollections of life in the town at that time. The following year in 1956, the Anderson family, who lived at 35 Black Falls Road, became the first family in my street to own a telly. Then in August 1957, my mum and dad bought a 17-inch Continental Pie television. And if progress was being made, then let me add that in the same year 1957, Nobody in our street owned a motor car mm. and only old Granny Clark, who lived opposite us, had a telephone. And may I add, nobody ever asked Granny Clark could he use the telephone mm. because we didn't know anybody to phone that had a telephone. <laughs> so you wonder why they had to go to the border of going to, to London then to buy a telly. Was there no television shops at that time in the area. Remember eventually most high streets had a a kind of TV repair shop, laterally. Absolutely. I worked in one. I was an apprentice electrician for three and a half years. Right. I worked for the Rutherland Cooperative Carrick Mm, mm. and uh, we had about um, 12 electricians and 12 TV mechanics. Mm -hmm. And as an apprentice electrician, if we were slack, I would be sent out to houses Mm -hmm. to help the TV mechanic carry big heavy televisions into the the back of his van to bring back to Queen Street in Rotherham mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where our uh, department was for repairs. Goodness, yeah. You know, <laughs> aye, yeah. and, uh, and it was ongoing, busy as anything. Aye, yeah. Televisions didn't not, uh, didn't go six months mm. without breaking down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more like three months and three weeks. Yeah. These big uh, coloured, these big valves yes. that lit up in the back of them. Aye. Remember that? Oh, I do. I'm well aware, my, my facts are good. I'm well aware that my auntie got that in 55. Mm-hmm. That ended the West ended in Rutherland, working class people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my auntie was the first person we ever knew. Those Andersons in Black Falls Road were the first people in our street. Mm-hmm. Television. Mm-hmm. And maybe 14, 15, 16 months later, we finally got one in August 57. Right. And what was August 57? Because I came from Hamden, Queen's Park, played Clyde on a Saturday, right. and the first programme I ever saw was The Lone Ranger at mm. half past five at night. Is that right? My <laughs> brother and I, The Lone Ranger. My memory's good. Ah, that's amazing. Yeah. I've got a big friend who's two years older than me, a mm. very interesting man, born in the Gorbo, Silver mm-hmm. First Street. He's mm-hmm. an author, he's wrote four or five books. <clears throat> very a quiet, pious man. Mm. But he was brought up quite hard in the Gorbals. And uh, they never got a television until 1964. 
1964, you know? Yeah. Mm. And he, he'll say that mm. to me. We never got a television in 1964. Mm. We still played in the street, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so we, mm. it's all interesting stuff. My first football match, the man just died that took me, two years older than me, Jim Brawley. So he was, when he died this year, he was probably 73, 74. Mm. And he, he took me to Shawfield. I lived, I, I spent my whole life as a childhood at Shawfield, at Hamden and at Cathkin. Mm -hmm. Three senior teams. Oh. Three senior teams within a half a mile of my house. Yeah, yeah. And the first game I was ever at was a floodlight game and they were shiny, really shiny, I remember. It was Glasgow versus Sheffield. It wasn't it the Clyde? All right. It was Glasgow versus Sheffield. Okay. The Glasgow Select versus Sheffield Select. Mm -hmm. This was a biannual, you know, up here, down there. Right. And the... Um, and that's the first game I was ever at. Mm. I was at the Scottish Cup final when Clyde, the same year, 1955, at mm -hmm. Hamden. Mm -hmm. Clyde, both games, Clyde drew with Celtic one each, then yep. beat them 1 0. Tommy Ring mm -hmm. scored the goal. <laughs> and they, and, they, mm. and I went on to see Clyde win the Scottish Cup in 58 as well. Mm. But so the 1955 was the first time I was at a football match. Right. You talked um, before about uh, the number of cars in your street when you were a a boy, there was hardly any cars in your street and then now as you walk down your own street there's nothing but cars. I'm disgusted. Aye. I, I've moved into the house I was born in, mm. you know, and my dad lived in it for 83 years, yeah. you know, and um, I'm at the window every night, my, 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 my sink where I operate is in, at the kitchen window, under the kitchen window, mm. and I, I, not, I don't have to move my head left or right, I only have to steer out the kitchen window mm. and there's six or seven cars every night in my view. Mm -hmm. Without stretching down the street, Aye. six or seven. Yeah. In those 1950s, as children, lamp post to lamp post, we played football in the street seven mm. days a week. Yeah. The lamp post into the fence in the pavement and the lamp post into the fence on the other side of the street, mm. and that was the goals. And we played, mm. and nobody ever gave us into a row. Yeah. Nobody ever said, you can't play football in the street in this. We played football in the street. Mm -hmm. wasn't any more than three, four a side. But we played football in our street, in our bit. Mm -hmm. Lamp is further not, further not, yeah. in our bit, mm. eh, for by a million other places. Yeah. And nobody stopped us. Nobody in our street. The first person you could put a date in it, the first person to have a car in my street was a whiskey travelling man who had only been in his maybe mid-20s mm -hmm. called Robert Jack and Robert bought a bubble car. Really? Is that right? Yes. <laughs> he bought a bubble car. God. And he gave my brother and I a half a crown on a Sunday mm -hmm. to wash it. God. Yes. Half a crown was good. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he gave us a half a crown. Mm. He was a nice man and they were a nice family. Church going. Went to the old parish church. Mm -hmm. They were lovely people. Mm. His dad and mum and all that. His dad worked his whole life in the railway. He was an inspector. And in those days, he ended up working the railway as an inspector, wore a soft hat and a railway, a good quality German-made railway Burberry. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah, stiff yeah. collar, <laughs> soft hat and a moustache. <laughs> That's typical yeah, of a yeah. of a railway a, a inspector. Sure. You know, mm. that would describe any railway inspector. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was the form of the, the yeah, thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and they, but the Jacks were great people. Mm. And Robert bought a bubble car. Mm -hmm. When would that be? Mm. 58 or something. That'd be right, yeah. That'd be right. I don't yeah, know anything yeah. about cars. Mm -hmm. 58. So it was only a wee bubble car and it mm. sat under the lamppost. Mm -hmm. 
And the yeah. lamppost were cast iron with two wings and they had a hooked neck like a swan right. and what was in them was a 40-watt bulb. Mm. <laughs> that was the lightning in our street, a 40-watt bulb. And we played football out there mm. till late at night. Mm. Our parents knew where we were and that was it. Right. And morning, noon and night. Mm -hmm. Today when I look out there, I counted a 30-odd cars in my street mm -hmm. and I've only moved back into that <clears> house in the last four and a half years. And it disgusts me, you know. Mm. Memories of the past, and you know my head's full of them. Sure. Memories of the past, they, they take me back. And they, they, probably because I don't own a car, I never have owned a car, I mm. don't drive. Mm -hmm. I, I consider myself a man of the soil. Or <laughs> when it comes to mechanical objects, I'm not interested. <laughs> you know, um, it's what that, isn't mm -hmm. it? It's yep. my yep. nature. Mm. Um, but uh, it upsets me mm. that every, there's cars everywhere, you can't move, and there's a battle goes on in that street every day mm. that I am not party to, no. <laughs> because they all fight for spaces, of course, yeah, yeah. And, and they're only supposed to part on the one side, or they only do part on the one side, mm -hmm. and there's people fighting for spaces, they run out their house mm -hmm. after they've been in two years because somebody drives away mm. to take their oh, space. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a battle that I don't know anything about. Well, when these houses, when they, when they were built, these houses, they wouldn't have any like garages or driveways. There was no need for that sort That's of thing. Right. So no. when were these houses built? Nineteen thirty-three. Right. It was, they were built in thirty-three, mm. and um, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and now uh, I'm pleased to say that some people do. They have done away with their, their wrought iron fence, half of it, mm. to, to put their part their car in their own garden. Aye, yeah. Mm. You know, but even today. There isn't anybody in my street mm. got a garage. Mm -hmm. They don't have any. Well, these houses wouldn't be built with garages. That's right. Uh -huh. yeah. They've not got them, but there's mm -hmm. no room for them. They mm -hmm. just park, there are quite a few people park them in off the street, Aye. which is good, yep. but it doesn't lessen the traffic on that street. Mm. That mm -hmm. street has mm -hmm. also, for being a quiet, relatively rural street in the 50s, Aye. which it was, mm. a man told me a great story about that street who's 10 year older than me, when Black Falls Farm was over the hill. This man's born in 1934, but he can remember the farmer, Mar Massey Farker. Mm, that's a great name. Fa Massey Farker was the <laughs> last farmer of Black Falls Farm in mm. 1946, and he remembered Massey Farm Farker riding up Black Falls, and the, the horse's hoofs coming yeah. down the street, yeah, the farmer. <laughs> I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you've been listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. Many thanks to David Jackson for talking to me about Rutherglen in the 1950s and to Zen Boyd of Rutherglen Heritage Centre for her help and support. The music was by Shugal Nifty. If you've got any comments on this programme or you've got some ideas for future local history programmes, please contact me by email history at camglenradio.org. I hope you enjoyed that programme and that you can join me again next time. Until then, bye-bye. Sadly, David Jackson passed away unexpectedly on the 3rd of November 2020. David was the font of all knowledge when it came to the history of Rutherglen. A proud Ruglonian and a well-kent figure around the town, he'll be greatly missed. With rising costs, times are tricky for everyone. For some people who are already struggling across our Cambuslang and Rutherglen communities, it might be another difficult season. 
Here's where you can help add some Christmas sparkle to those who need it most. If you can, please gift some joy to others in your local community. We're looking for donations of new gift items. This is for our local children, young people and seniors with a value between £5 and £10. For full information on our gift suggestions and of our drop-off locations, go to healthyandhappy.org.uk forward slash Christmas 2023. Thanks for making someone's Christmas just a little bit better. You're listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio. This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness. For the next half an hour, you'll hear the sounds of North Berwick's West Bay Beach. (laughs) 